are back in the Football Shed, your weekly football podcast for fans that live in the wrong time zone, like we do. My name's John Hewitt. Jeff King is here. Hello. I mean, <laughs> what do I normally say? G'day. <laughs> Why was that so breathy? I was yawning. Oh. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. And we are full of energy and beans, aren't we, Jeff? So you're the one that says hello. Must remember. You can say, well, you can say whatever you want. Okay, yeah. I will. <laughs> um, Hello. Hiya, Jeff. What beers are you drinking this evening? I'm drinking Chang. I, I saw... Everton sponsored Well, because I actually went to buy my own beer today. I went to the beer shop and I saw Chang. I was like, oh, Chang. I remember, I used to love that. Whenever, when it was Everton sponsored, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have Chang and yeah. feel all full of pride. Yeah. Now Everton aren't sponsored by Chang, I realise the beer's quite average. <laughs> average <laughs> beer. Yes. Is it Thailand? Yes, it's the uh, national beer of Thailand. Uh, it's got two elephants on the cover. <laughs> Um, because there are two elephants in, in Thailand. Thailand. Wow. <laughs> Roger Gibbs, what did you bring for this evening? Uh, I have, John, a Young Henry's New Town at Pale Ale. Is it any good? Yeah, it's all right. Better than last week's one? Your last week's Better one than last week's, yeah. This is a, um, I think it's Sydney beer, but it's, yeah, it's good. Stop no. standard can I, can I just say that, Roger, you left your beers in my fridge last week, which is normally where next week's fridge beers come from because you didn't like them so much. And yet I still went to the shop and bought beer. Are they still in the fridge? They're still there. Oh, wow. They're well. just not very nice. Oh, you, tried, I, you tried one? Oh, and I, and I drink some pretty yeah, ferociously terrible. <laughs> Chang case in point. <laughs> well, Chang was the alternative to what you left in my fridge. Wow. wow. Yeah, it was either that or neat rum. What were they called? I can't remember. I feel like we're doing a good job of um, not promoting negative them. spin yeah. on Yeah, yeah. good. Well, guess what I'm going to promote? Audi Five Dollar Wine. <laughs> John, can you talk to us about what you're wearing? Now I know, yes. like we've only got the medium of sound here, but I must admit, um, I, I can't help but like glimpse out the corner of my eye. My double denim. The double denim, and it's really quite off-putting. So I wore this shirt to work today, and had work trousers on. And then got home and went, oh, I don't like wearing work trousers and even. So I changed them, put jeans on with my jumper still on, not thinking about the fact that I had a denim shirt on underneath. So I'm wearing double denim. Wow. It looks very ironed too. Yeah, I won't go for work. Just the whole ensemble is a bit disturbing. <laughs> it's my Bruce Springsteen look. <laughs> <laughs> a bit more broke back, John, I'd say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, every week we do start with a question. But before we get started, here's a bit of admin. Um, if you want to get in contact, ask us a question. Tell us we're wrong about something or that I should buy a new shirt. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, just search Football Shed or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and don't forget to subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. And of course, tell your mates so more people can hear us talk nonsense. Um, this is now 101th show. 101? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I got all excited. It's 101st show. 101th show after our 100th show last week. Um, right, your question. This is about Liverpool. Oh, here we go. Um, and because it's the 101st show, I've changed the format of the question. Usually I ask a question where it always ends in a number. This one doesn't end in a number. Liverpool lost at home, last lost at home in April 2017 to which team? Is it Crystal Palace? It is Crystal Palace. Oh, wow. <laughs> and can you name their manager? Uh, Pardew? Nope. Has he even been Crystal Palace manager? Yeah, <laughs> what am I doing? Ian, Ian Dowie? No. Ian <laughs> Dowie? <laughs> that was like 2004. He was a Palace manager? Yeah, looked when, when Andy Johnson played up front. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it wasn't Pards. It wasn't Pards. lingering touch of Pards. Um, but, April 2017. Oh, Crystal. no, it can't be De Boer. 
No, it wasn't Debo. Not Roy. April 2017, so it's the end of the season. Well, go on. Big Sam. Really? Big Sam. Oh, Fireman Sam came in, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, Fireman Sam came in right at the end. So he was the last man to beat Liverpool at home. But do you know, the the reason why that just shot to mind is because of that that ridiculous stat about... um, about Crystal Palace, that they're the last team to beat Man City at home, they're the last team to beat Liverpool at home, last team to beat, you know, like... Yeah, there's loads, yeah. They've got this record of being the team that beat the big sides at home randomly. They play Liverpool away next week, so... No, sorry, Liverpool will be away, Crystal Palace will be at home, so... Yeah, but Palace got absolutely obliterated this weekend. So who they play? Chelsea. They lose 2-0. Yeah. 2-0 is not a fair reflection of, of this result. I don't know if you say obliteration. Yeah, though, I'm not sure it? if that's... I think that's a bit harsh well, for Crystal Palace. Okay, so it, 2-0 is a, is a comprehensive scoreline. However, statistically, um, Palace were horrendous. Chelsea had 23 shots. Palace had three. The possession was 61-39. to 39. Palace just either didn't show up or were just completely outclassed all over the pitch that's how they always play just hope just hope that's That's the Roy tactic I mean uh, you could say that Chelsea were good and Palace were bad but I don't think that we've spoken a few times this year about what did you learn from teams that played against other teams I don't think we learned anything about Palace because they never touched the ball no they didn't do anything they didn't get to play a game of football they would have been all excited in the morning put their boots on but yet they didn't get to play a game of football because Chelsea they, just they did dominated. I, I actually, I think what we did learn, and I would give Chelsea some credit in this game, and they went in, it was nil-nil at half-time, um, <clears throat> despite them having a lot of the play. Which didn't is the perfect create, Palace t- scenario. Yeah, and didn't create like a huge amount of really clear-cut chances in, in that. Um, but they didn't panic, um, and they kept playing their football after half-time. And I thought it was like a really... It's the kind of performance that I didn't think that Chelsea could produce consistently this year, particularly this early in the season. Like we talked about it, they'd sort of, you know, they've got new players in, they've got other players coming back, they've obviously got transfer band, they've got young players coming through and it might take them a while with a new manager to get going. Mm. And I didn't see them being able to, you know, have like a professional 2-0 against Crystal Palace. Yeah. And not panic when it's 0-0 at half time or whatever, just go keep doing the same things, get a result. And they didn't. Yeah. And they look really good. I've got to say... Having asked a question about Liverpool and the Liverpool yeah, Man City... Yeah, you very, very quickly segued away from that. <laughs> Liverpool-Man City game, I presumed, was this, where we would go for the start of this conversation. <laughs> How we've ended up on Crystal Palace-Chelsea, I don't well, know. Well, I mean, it's just the natural... natural <laughs> that, that, that was the big, big game of the weekend, wasn't it? So uh, the most dominant performance of the weekend. Well, can we, we'll finish off. Uh, there is um, something I want to say about Chelsea. Let's I not I'll, finish off. We've only just started. Go on. No, I'd much rather talk about the big game. But I did... Well, you... Um, Everton, Southampton. John have been talking recently about the Chelsea right back. Um, yes, Reece Reece James, James yeah. uh, who pl- started in this yes, game. His first so I think it's the start. first game that as Bugaletta hasn't yeah. played in like I think he's played like seventy odd in a row. It's a lot, wow. uh, and I think that says a lot that he yeah. Frank Lampard felt that he could drop him, um, and then Emerson played left back, so they had. Um, you know, new fullback pairings. Uh, he looks great. He's, He's really got, good. And I read something. I've since you talked about him. I saw him at the weekend yeah. playing well, and then I've read things about him. And I read um, Peter Reed, um, yeah. ex Sunderland manager, who's now involved in the... ex. You call him Peter Reed, ex Sunderland manager, sort of ex Everton hero, Peter Reed. <laughs> well, <laughs> more... FA Cup winning Everton yeah, hero. Okay. And all right, 
Everton's favourite scouser, Peter Reid, uh, is involved in life. And I do like his politics, so he's, he's a good man, Peter Reid. But um, he's uh, involved in, at Wigan. Um, yes. So I think he's not managing there, but he's like an advisor or something. Yeah. Um, but obviously, Rhys James has been there for two years, won their Player of the Year. Twice. Twice aged. 17 and Not 18. very much. Yeah. Uh, but essentially, he you know he was just singing his praise and saying, this kid is going to be a superstar and go on and play for England. And you look at Chelsea lining up, they had you know, James, they had... Um, I mean, Abraham. Abraham, Mount, Mount uh, who's a centre-back... Uh, Tamori, and you sort of, you know, they're all like twenty or under. Pulisic is only twenty three, and he's starting to hit yeah. his um, straps a bit. And you're like, actually, this Chelsea team, maybe this transfer ban was a blessing, and oh, and they've they got brilliant. a good team. Like it's well, if it wasn't for the transfer ban, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing now. And obviously, what they're doing now is working. You know, they they have been nurturing these young players for years and they have never had a pathway to the to the senior side. It's just, it's just never happened. And that, I think... Well, one they of the reasons, been nurturing them. Other people have been. Well, yeah, but that, but then <laughs> they still, you know, they check in every week. Who's that? Um, uh, Paolo Ferreira? Yeah, their old yeah, right back. Paolo Ferreira, their, their old right back, is the their player liaison officer at Chelsea. Yeah. So he's the, he's the player who... Not the player. He's the staff member who keeps tabs on all of their loanees. I remember. Be a busy man. Well, yeah, I, and, he, and he goes to see them, yeah, group, don't they? And um, he goes to see them all over Europe. Like it's it's such a immense job that he has keeping tabs on. They talk every week about progression. He talks to the club. He talks to the manager. So they they've not been playing for Chelsea, but they've been nurturing these players. But what's been happening up until this year, as we all know, is they get to a certain point and then there's just a wall in front of them. And if it wasn't for the transfer ban, there would have been a wall in front of them in the same way. You would have looked at Zuma would have gone to Everton, for example, yeah. because there's just no way through for these players. Yeah. So the transfer ban has, has saved them because it's changed their structure. And everyone hated Chelsea because of it. Like There's been a yeah. lot of hate for Chelsea the last 10 years. And obviously, you know, your, your initial hate was because of the money. They were the first team that you could hate because they yeah. were artificially yeah, yeah. inflating their, their own stature. Racism might pop up there yeah, too. Yeah, John Terry being a racist. Yeah, it's hard to forget that. You yeah. do every now and then, but you need to remind yourself that actually, yes, John Terry is a racist twat. Yeah, and their fans have been done for stuff in France. Yeah, and, okay, yeah. well, you're reminding me of all the reasons <laughs> why, why, why you can have a chase. But right now, there is a new wave of Chelsea players that it's hard to dislike. That these, oh, yeah. these kids are excellent. If it wasn't for the transfer ban. I've got a question for you. Go on. Do you think the moment they can sign players, they're going to go back to their old ways? Or do you think this will wake them up? I don't think so. I think the the fact they've given Frank Lampard the job, they only gave him the job because of the exactly right. He wouldn't have got the job otherwise. No, yeah. they would have hired a Mourinho or Max Allegri or someone mm. and then they would have signed five £50 million pound players and they'd be in the same position. Because it's gone so well and because all the fans are on board and it's enjoyable to watch, I think they'll go, do Frank, do whatever you're doing and keep doing it. And I don't think there's any point Frank Lampard turning around and going, Oh, transfer bans up. I'll go and buy a ninety million pound striker. You've got Tammy Abraham. You, if I was Frank Lampard, I'd go out and buy the Jack Grealishes of the world that are in the Premier League, have Premier League experience, and younger and hungry, and bring them up through rather than go and buy superstars. It's interesting because that will that will really answer and ask questions. The the point where they can buy players again is the point where they either go, okay, well, thanks, Frank. Yeah, you know, cheers for coming in. 
taking a shit job when no one else wanted it, bringing through players that we didn't want in the first place. Now we can spend a billion pounds again. Let's just get in the market and go back to normal because that's where we're comfortable. Yeah. Or whether they go, hmm. I, I think they will go back to the market. I don't necessarily agree because I, I think it's a bit of an anomaly this year in that we've seen a few teams drop off again. So it's like the Leicester year. Yeah, I think the league is a bit like that. Like it's squashed up, and we know that, you know, Arsenal dropped off, United have dropped off, like Spurs have, Spurs yeah. have. Like there's a, you know, there's a, it's a bit of a perfect storm, which I think has enabled. I don't think Chelsea are necessarily that much better than we thought they were going to be. Perhaps they <clears throat> they've got there a bit quicker, um, but I think it's more that some of these other teams that be pushing them for the top four are worse. Yeah, and I think Chelsea want to be a Champions League team. Yeah. And so I think if they were in eighth now and still playing this football, we'd be looking at it a bit differently and we'd be thinking they want to get straight back in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah it's interesting, yeah. Um, last thing on Chelsea, do you know? have you heard about Frank Lampard's um, fine culture? That he's not a fine culture, fining culture. <laughs> Go on, <laughs> no. Um, so he's introduced some really hefty fines for discipline for all the players. So if you are late for the start of training... £20,000. Whoa! 20 grand. To charity? I'm assuming. They go, it all goes to either... The Chelsea Foundation. Chelsea whatever. Foundation. Okay. Or, um, you're charged £500 a minute every time you're late for a team meeting. Um, you're charged £10,000 fine if you're late for treatment, medical appointment, or a match day departure. Um, phone ringing during a meal or meeting is a thousand pound fine. Like he's got all these massive wow. fines in, and there's so there was a released document that came out this week that's signed by him, going, "This yeah. is the fine thing," and someone saw it, and they, they, he was asked, "Is this true?" He's like, "Yep, this is what we're doing." And I like that. Like these are young millionaires who are twenty years old. You've got to have a bit of structure and a. There's got to be a line, yeah. And no matter how much money you've got, twenty thousand pounds is a lot of money. Yeah, it, it, it's a, it's relative, isn't it? If it was sixty quid, you 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 don't give a shit. Yeah, and I'm not saying people don't, you know, if you're that rich, it's not that you don't give a shit about twenty thousand pounds. You might not. However, it 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 has to be relative to your earnings to, to have a fine. And it's got to make an effect, so it makes everyone on board. And then you know that if you make that error, you go, oh, I'm letting my team down but also I'm letting the club and it's going to hurt yeah and I these are kids they, they, they need it, they need discipline these oh, kids no but I don't think it's about because every football club when I play football we had you have like, fines yeah, fine. yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, right. yeah. you have a pound fine if you have dirty boots or whatever yeah. it's a, you, and you put it in the kit and you go and drink beers afterwards yeah, it's true. part of football yeah. changing room culture yeah. um, so I think it's great it's just hefty fine yeah well they can <laughs> um, afford it can't they those but kids? let's move on to the big game because we've gone down a yep. Chelsea Crystal Palace hole so Wolves Aston Villa so <laughs> <laughs> Watford Norwich no. <laughs> so Liverpool played Man City uh, and Liverpool won 3-1 was it comfortable or did would did they get away with murder and were Man City actually better than it looked because everyone right now is coming out and saying Liverpool are brilliant and they blew them away I'm not convinced that that's what actually happened. I think Man City played well and were extremely unlucky in that game. Uh, no, I don't think unlucky. No? I, d I don't agree with that. Um, I think Pep was naive. Okay. Okay, I'm going to go the other way and I'm going to... I think that Man City could have created as many chances as they did, or maybe not as many, but... you know, yeah. They could have created a significant number of chances, enough to win the game and played in a way that gave them more solidity at the back. 
Now, we talked yeah. about it leading up to the game. We said, is Pep going to change his formation and go with um, three, three at the or, back? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he didn't. He went with four at the back, um, including a relatively inexperienced um, left back. Yeah. Um, and he brought in Rodri, who just has come back from injury. Um I was really surprised. Well, no, I wasn't surprised when he did that, but I like I was I was annoyed because I I you know, I I think that Pep made a mistake and the thing the, if Pep has a weakness it is his like it, he believes in what he does so strongly that he will not change it. Yeah. We've talked about it. doesn't sign center backs, doesn't change the way he's playing. And I think in this game it's a prime example and Klopp has a winning record against Guardiola and not many managers have that where if he was willing to change his game a bit, I think they would have been a better chance to win. I think, yeah, I, but the thing I would say, I kind of agree on they should have played Fernandinho in... Play him in midfield. Midfield, because the first goal, like we know there's the whole VAR scenario about Alexander-Arnold's handball, but it's gone down the other end and it comes out to Fabinho, who has about a week to shoot. The person that always in that Man City team that makes sure that doesn't happen is Fernandinho. Mm. And Rodri is thereabouts, but isn't closing Goes, goes walkabouts, really. Yeah. yeah. And if Fernandinho is playing defensive centre midfield at that point, I think he blocks that shot or makes it harder or something different happens. So I think they made an error there. But I do think Man City played pretty well and created a couple of chances. Liverpool had two chances, scored two goals, yeah. and were 2-0 Within up. Within 15 minutes. And, yeah. and, and look, take, take any... If I'm, if I'm going to try and sit on the fence here slightly, <laughs> it's, it's hard. But I do absolutely agree with you, John. I think if you if you pull the game apart statistically, and I know that's not what football's about, but if you replay this game five times, Man City win it four. Yeah. Because you know, Man City had more shots. They they had they hit the woodwork. They had more passes than Liverpool. Their passing accuracy was better than Liverpool. They won more duels. They won more aerial duels. They won more tackles. They had more successful take-ons. They had fewer fouls. Like, yeah. all of these metrics that go, who was dominant in this football match? Man City were. Liverpool scored with their first two shots. Yeah. That's a fact. And that, yeah. and that was so early in the game that it means that Liverpool can try and absorb Man City. But yet, yeah. Man City still penetrated. Yeah. So they still had shots. They still had great chances. Man City pulled it wide. Like, their, their shooting accuracy was horrendous in this game. And that is so uncharacteristic. When it was Aguero. And, like, Aguero was the main culprit for the missed chances, which is very unusual. Yeah. So perhaps you could say that. But I don't... Liverpool created their goals with moments of brilliant play and it was enough to win the game. I I, I, I agree point, yeah, I yeah. agree with you that Man City did create enough chances to perhaps win the game, but I also think that if you played that again, the Liverpool goals would have been goals every time because they... Well, actually, sorry, second goal would have been and second goal was brilliant. Yeah. I think one of the other key things about this game that perhaps made me change my tip was when I saw that Edison didn't get up. I do not think that Bravo is in the same league as Edison. And no I actually way. think there's a decent chance that Edison might save the first goal. Like, yeah. great, it's a brilliant, brilliant strike, but it's a fair way out. And I think Edison might get across to that. And then I think on the third goal, Bravo has to keep that header out. Yeah, on that's the a poor post. save. Yeah. yeah. Um, is, um, but I think, to Jeff's point, I don't think the league's over now. And Jeff said this a few times over the last few weeks, that Liverpool seem to be winning, but not actually playing brilliantly like they just seem to keep winning by a goal somehow and 
that's perfect in March, April, May. Doing it in September, October, November is not always the best time. And they're going to have a blip. Like, they might not, but I'm pretty sure with their going to the World Club Championships yeah. and so many games. So many games and being so reliant on that front three, they're going to have a blip. They're going to lose a couple of games somewhere. And I can kind of see Man City just going, we'll win every game. And do, do you know, I, I think we can admit that Guardiola knows more about football than us, right? Oh, I'm not sure. He's, he's pretty good <laughs> at knowing about football. Yeah. And he didn't make his first substitution until 71 minutes. Mm. Which means, and they were 3-0 down at that point. So he is still looking at this game yeah. going, I've got this right. Yeah, I'm not changing. I'm not changing my, t- my on-pitch tactics and I'm not changing my personnel because I've got this right. Look at what we're creating. Look at how we're penetrating. Look at how, mm. how we're getting through on goal. I've got this right. Yeah. To the point that there's less than 20 minutes to go before he goes, I'm, and what he did was a straight swap from Aguero to Jesus. Yeah. So it's like, he's just going, okay, I've got this right, but my striker isn't scoring. Yeah. So what do I need to do? I need to put fresh legs on up front who might not be dragging it wide every time they get a chance because I've got this right. So he must be pulling his hair out afterwards. I do think Man City, the some part of the reason they're not winning, there's two points to this. I think Kevin De Bruyne is having a bad three weeks or whatever. Like, he's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, he was pretty yeah. good in this game. But he, well, there was just a few points where you just go, if he was on top form, he would have scored or he made that pass. So he wasn't as quick-minded this yeah, game. Yeah, just, he was a bit, just a bit sluggish. at the 110% he's usually He was at. still... He's still like, pretty good. But probably he was like he was one of the best players on the park. But they game. do rely on him a lot to be yeah be the make, man yeah even though they didn't have him last year and <laughs> yeah it's true um, and Aguero was missing but I also and um, just to talk me up a little bit I said at the end of last season in our awards about how much Man City would li- miss company and this is the game where they miss Vincent Company not because even if he didn't play it's that leadership and that person in the changing room whether they need a new centre-back or what or not it's about the fact that he would have pulled players through that game and been that calming influence they needed in that game they would not have been 2-0 down after 15 minutes if Vincent Company was sat on the bench I, I'm going to agree and disagree with you I think the position's right I think the player's wrong I don't think that Company I, I agree that Company provided some leadership last year the biggest thing for City is missing Laporte Laporte is their Virgil van Dijk. Yeah. And he is an exceptional centre-back. Like, I think he's world-class. And he is their true one world-class defender that they have. He's a defender first. Mm. And he's and he can also pass the ball, but he is brilliant. And I, I, I put him up there in the same... He's not as good as van Dijk, but he's in the... He's in the um, the same category, yeah. and he is that important to Man City. So I, I, I think that's a big miss. But I think they miss the company side of it more in that kind of calming influence on the whole. Yeah, scenario. the mentality, not the not the skill. Like yeah. Sterling, but that's a pet well witness again. And Ster- but Sterling was so amped up and whatever, he needed someone to come over to him and go, "Chill out, you're really yeah. good at football." Like, yeah, Pep's never liked leaders on the pitch. Like, this is what is you know. He wants you to be a cog in a machine. I, st- yeah. I started all this yeah. with his yeah. with his his weaknesses. And that's the same thing. He believes yeah. so strongly in it. He wants people that buy into his machine, and he doesn't want these big characters that might not do everything he wants exactly at the time that he does it perfectly. So he avoids them. But in games like this, you're right. It's when you need your character. Yeah. And I've got to say, like, despite me saying that uh, play it five times, Man City might have worked one out of four, I do think Liverpool were excellent. They took their chances. Some of the... How good was the second goal? The, like, the I mean, cross-field oh. pass from, from Robertson is just 
out of this world. Um, the the first finish from whatever his name is, um, Fabinho. Fabinho. <laughs> Send me such disdain. <laughs> this, no, Fabinho. for me, the second goal. Like, Where's he from, Fabinho? Brazilian. Brazil. You see, that's a proper Brazilian name. The, when it, <laughs> that's, um, that's like that's great. You could go, go to Mardi Gras with that Jeremy one. Jeremy or yeah. Mike. I, I can't Dave. think of a, another right back in the world. Potentially not another right back that I've seen play football that could have played the pass that Trent Alexander-Arnold played for Robertson for the second goal. Yeah. yeah. Like to cut, cut yeah. back inside on his wrong foot and, and then play a really difficult cross-field pass. Into space. Into space. Yeah. At exactly the right pace so that Robertson could take it in his stride and then play an Just equally brilliant. good pass to Salah. And, like, and Salah's, um, Salah's run for the second goal, for the header, it couldn't have been better. Mm. Like it, it, yeah. It, it, you, you know, you argue, was it onside? Was it, on? it was perfect. It was the yeah. perfect run. If you're going to be onside be onside by millimetres because right now we can judge that so it was absolutely brilliant before we um go off this game as well there was a um it's related to the game but it's also unrelated um in that uh we talked about last season then these two sides clearly being the best um in the league and, and marginal gains yeah. And I think you brought it up with Matt, uh, with Liverpool's throw-in coach. Oh, yes. Just yeah. to try and get that little bit extra. Yeah. In the lead into this game, I was reading that Guardiola has taken something from that. And the Man City obviously had an issue with set pieces. Apparently last year they had one of the worst... Uh, you automatically go to defence, but they have one of the worst scoring rates from corners okay. and set pieces. And so they tried to address that in the summer by hiring, hiring a guy called Nicolas Jova. So he's French. I'm probably saying it wrong. Nicolas Jova. Um, <laughs> so he worked at Brentford. Oh, okay. Um, and big he, French population in Brentford. <laughs> big, big French community. Who also they're a very um, moneyball based team. Yeah. So yeah, they had a guy yeah. called Dylan Jones who yeah. was their um, analyst. Yeah. So he went from Brentford to Man City, yeah. and then this guy. Um, Jova followed so uh, last season 11.6% of City's goals came from set pieces 12 from 95 so 12 goals Mm. from 95 set pieces which was the lowest in the league Um, but they obviously had more set pieces than anybody else so which almost makes it worse whereas Liverpool's um, uh, was the highest 22 from 144 so essentially they brought this guy in to address it and apparently like already this year um they've improved dramatically and they've scored a few goals from set pieces but i just thought it was interesting that they're you know again those two teams are at the top but they're still doing these little things looking for the little one percent that's that's how close it is um although shockingly man city are fourth right now but that's how close it is between those top two teams is those tiny 1.2 or whatever that will make the difference but i do agree with you both in that I don't think the title's over. I feel, I feel bad not. that we haven't really talked about Liverpool in this because they were brilliant, but I think everyone's doing that for us. But mm, I think yeah. that the way that Man City play is more sustainable against more teams in the Premier League. Yes. They will win 3-0 yeah. every week, whereas, as you said, Liverpool are scraping by with one one goal yeah. wins. What it, what it and there's a lot of emotion Six, in, six in a row before yeah. this one. That is not sustainable. I... I 
I do not. Th- I'm going to go on the record and say I do not think it's possible to do that for the entire season. And at some point, they will have a blip. Yeah, I was completely wrong when last uh, last week I categorically said I think it was the rum. I drank a lot of rum last week. <laughs> I said Man City will win this game and Man City will win the league. Yes. I was wrong. Liverpool won this game. But you still think Man City are going to win the league? I still, you got the score right. Yeah, just the wrong way around. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I still think that there is a huge possibility Man City will win this league because of everything you just said, Rog. But we're going to move off this game. But right now, all of you, who's going to win the league? Jeff? Man City. Rog? Go with my heart and say Liverpool. Why does your heart say Liverpool? What kind of cold, dirty heart have you got? Because my dad's a scouser and he's a long-suffering Liverpool fan. Uh, What do you mean long-suffering? Well, Liverpool haven't had any success. Well, Champions League, in the league. Your dad is of an age that he had a lot of success. He can fucking put it it in a sandwich, eat it, let someone else have a go. I'll go for Leicester. (laughs) Um, But let's move on to Leicester. So Leicester beat Arsenal 2-0. we talked about Chelsea earlier. So Leicester and Chelsea are now second and third. There is an eight-point gap between Man City in fourth and Sheffield United in fifth. Have Leicester and Chelsea just confirmed themselves like that's the top four? Like, is it locked in, done? Mm, the the thing that is really working in Leicester's favour is that last year they didn't have a very good year. Because of that, they don't have European football. I mean, they're still in the League Cup, which I think they would probably want to exit as soon as possible. Yeah. Leicester, we're going to get to the point of March, April, May, where Leicester will have so few games and Liverpool and Man City will have played so many games, especially Liverpool, who've gone to the Club World Cup and they're, they're trying to balance five competitions, whereas Leicester have got only two at a time. Yeah. And and who knows how they'll go in the FA Cup. And because and the, of that, when they won the league and they played once a week, what they you know, what worked really well for them is they could play the same team, no one get injured, they spent all week preparing yeah. and everyone who was their competition had a Champions League game on a Tuesday. Which is what they're Wednesday. doing now. Like yeah. they, they they I mean they've got a maybe a bit more squad depth than that year when they won it. Yeah. But essentially it's the same team every yeah. week. Yeah. And they can have days off. Yeah. Like yeah. Liverpool and Man City won't have a day off now between now and the end of the season. Whereas Leicester can have Every gay day after the game, go rest, off, just rest. rest, go and hang out with your family. And then we come back in and we plan for next week. And that's massive. And Chelsea are in the Europa League, right? Uh, no, they're in the they're Champions, Champions League. League. So mm-hmm. I think Leicester are massively advantaged in this in this top four race. They were really good against Arsenal. Yeah, like, there I, was I, that game against Arsenal. They won two nil, and you at no point did I think Arsenal might win this. It was just. You knew Leicester were going to win. It was extremely professional. And they are scoring some team goals. Oh, that are oh yeah, brilliant, <laughs> brilliant, so succulent. Harvey like Barnes' little flick really yeah. is good football. But I, I mean, and I, we talked about Chelsea looking professional, and you know, perhaps being surprised that they could produce that. And I mean, I don't think we should be surprised about Leicester the way they've been playing. But I think if you would have said at the start of the year, you know, that's where they'd be compared to Arsenal, I think we would have been surprised. Yeah. And like you're right, it was. You just felt confident the whole way through that Leicester were going to be the team that even when it was nil nil again was it nil at half time was yeah um, but you felt like there was only one team going to win it yeah. and they didn't panic and they didn't change the way they played and they've got different ways they can win a game now which I think is a bit different to their mm. title winning um, year yeah. but their side looks so settled and they all know their role you know the way that I think Indeedy is is been brilliant. brilliant this year and I just you know the defenders know like Ch- Ch- Chilwell and Pereira 
can just go. Yeah. And they know as soon as they do, without thinking about it, that indeed he drops in. <clears throat> and then you've got the chemistry between, you know, Madison and, and Barnes um, play, playing off Vardy. And yeah. I just feel like you watch them play and they're enjoying their football. They all know their role and they've got a number of players that can do something, you know, to, to unlock a defence. Whereas I look at the Arsenal team... The team changes every week. They don't know the way they're playing. They're not confident in each other's positioning on the pitch or what they're trying to do. It's like it's, they were complete opposites. Yeah. They played three at the back this week, didn't they? Yeah, first time. Yeah. And in theory, it makes sense because David Luiz is better in a three. Yeah. And Ozil can play in the hole behind two strikers. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is perfect. But it looked like they'd never played it before, which <laughs> they hadn't. And you're just like, well... You've got to play your best players in their best positions and practice it. And- <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to move off Leicester too quick, but but what what you said just did my head in, John. And you're absolutely right. P- play, teams sign David Luiz that play a flat back four, and it is only a matter of time before they go. Oh well, David Luiz plays better in a three, so we're going to change our whole club ethos to accommodate this fucking clown. That we'll just change to a three at the back because he is completely useless any other way. Yeah. You knew that before you bought him. Yeah. It was inevitable that this was going to happen. He did have a really good season in a back three when Chelsea. Well, won that's because yeah, yeah, there's all these. Does my head in. Um, I do think indeed he's great. I also think that there are players in that Leicester side who remember winning the league. And I think that is something that when you are one of these young players, if you're a player that didn't, if you're a player like Madison or Ndidi or yeah. and you're in the canteen, you're talking about where you're on the league, you're going, we're second, this is so exciting. Yeah. Players like... Schmeichel and Vardy. Vardy. Players like Albrighton are turning yeah. around going, now nah, we can finish first. Yeah. This is what we were thinking four years ago, five years ago. Yeah. We can finish first. Don't be comfortable second. We can win this thing. I don't think, yeah, I think that shouldn't be underrated. That The fact that they've won the league, even if they just get top four, which you shouldn't say just get top four as Leicester, yeah. but if they get top four, they've got people in that changing room who have been there and done it, and that makes a huge difference. Who are also their leaders. Yeah. Spot on, Jeff. Like, I think Schmeichel is... He's sort of underrated. Like he's a yeah. very, very good keeper, and he's yeah. a big character. And yeah. I think they've got enough of those left over that you're right. They could. Sort They're of telling the together. legend. They're telling yeah. the legend to the kids. Going, don't be happy with second. Yeah. And you believe in it. If you think what we did was magical, we're doing it again. Do you think there are a chance? I mean, they're on more points now. <laughs> Than they were at the same point that yes. season, but there wasn't Liverpool. But there Man wasn't City. Liverpool and Man City. Well, you we don't really think they're gonna. No, but you could you could, crash that okay, you could put it? an argument up there that <clears throat> we've discussed how Liverpool will drop points because of the way they play and the fact that they you can't do it all season. <clears throat> Man City have already dropped points. If Leicester, keep, there's no reason why, as long as what we say about Liverpool is right. Vardy gets Leicester injured. Leicester are not. <clears throat> Vardy gets injured. That's a real. Indeed, problem. he gets injured. Like just my thing about Leicester is yes, they don't have all those games, but they also don't have the squad depth of those others. On Vardy getting injured, has he ever been injured? Like I, I can't remember. Probably a time. not because he doesn't ever train. He just drinks Red Bull. Exactly. I can't remember a time when Leicester have not started a game without. Jamie Vardy up front like I don't think he gets injured he just keeps going yeah that is interesting yeah. and I think again he doesn't abuse himself like he doesn't train too much no. uh, doesn't play international football doesn't anymore. play international football he looks after his body they're not in too many competitions like you know he's doing alright but we're talking about Leicester a lot at the moment but i got to say like I you watch them and you're like, I want to go play with Leicester or I want to oh, go and watch yeah. Leicester. Like yeah. you can you can see that they are... And I, you've got to give Rodgers some credit oh, yeah. that too because, I, I mean, I felt a bit bad for Puel when he mm. got the boot. 
Um, but in hindsight, you know, what Rodgers has done with this group of players, but more, you know, just the way that they're playing and enjoying it, um, I think it deserves some, oh, yeah. some credit for that. Because he did got a similar thing at Liverpool when he yeah. when they got close. And in theory, it's exactly the same as Poyel's team, um, apart from they sold Harry Maguire, the most expensive defender in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So it's the same team, and they're second in the league, and they look brilliant. So I think Puel set the foundation for this season. Yeah, Would you maybe. say that? Yeah, Maybe. <laughs> um, let's go from the top to the bottom. Um, usually when we do this, we go from the top to the middly bit. Let's go right to the bottom. Um, a team that are really struggling at the moment is West Ham. West Ham just lost 3-0 uh, away to Burnley, a team that lost... 3-0 last week to someone else. Um, <laughs> but West Ham are a mess. They're 16th on 13 points. First few weeks of the season, we're like, oh, they could maybe do top six, top eight. Um, this international break that comes up is kind of the prime international break for firing managers. Like, you want to get rid of people before Christmas. There's loads of fixtures. And then they've got January to, fire, um, to um, tr- get some transfers in. Is this the end of Pellegrini? I've got to just try and put some perspective on this, right? Oh, don't get me wrong. Yes, West Ham are shit. Yeah. Right. That's not my perspective. That's just... That's just, <laughs> good, like, good you know, just, just my pun- the boot Just in. my punditry. Um, however, they are four points off fifth. Yes. If West Ham were sixth and four points off fifth, we would be saying they're having a great season. The fact is, from fifth down to West Ham... Even Aston Villa? I, what, no, what, yeah, Aston Villa on 11. Yeah, so from 5th down to West Ham, four points separates all of those teams, and West Ham are in 16th. So it, it's really hard to go, are they having a bad season? Because actually, they're four points off 5th. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, four I, points off Arsenal. I agree, and I said this last week, I think. It's very West Ham. Like mm. They'll flip and flop around a bit, but they'll finish about 10th. I think they'll be fine. I actually think it's about one player at the moment. I don't think it's about anything more than that. I think their goalkeeper that they've got... I never thought I'd say they miss Flappy Hansky, yeah. but they do. The Massively. guy they've got in at the moment, Roberto, Roberto. is an absolute disaster yeah. area. <laughs> like he is, he is the worst he keeper I've seen in the Premier League for a long time. Like yeah. Just stuck to his line... Flapping his hands around at everything, just as give, oh, they yeah. they were playing quite well defensively mm. just before um, Fabianski got injured. He reacts so slowly. That, yeah, just everything yeah. about him. I'm like, mm. surely you have a better goalkeeper on your books than this well, guy. So they do have another goalkeeper. Um, that's uh, the he came from Millwall and he played 350 games for Millwall in the Championship and League One. So he has loads of league experience. He's never played in the Premier League. I can't remember his name. Um, but they signed him in the summer um, as their third goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, and in my opinion, it'd be perfect to just to chuck in because you know he's going to do fine with the rough and tumble. Like, Organise. Or... They played Burnley away. Yeah. What are Burnley going to do? They're going to smack the ball you underneath want, You the want a championship keeper, don't you? You want just someone who's just going to dive in and punch it and get in the Dwight way. Dwight McNeil, on his own, crossed the ball over 12 times. Yeah. Like, just crazy. they just, you know, straight away... Yeah. But the the other issue that I say West Ham may have a proper problem is that the signings they've brought in in the summer, which included Roberto, this goalkeeper, and Haller, who is my flop of the season, um, who's come in and done well at the start and then kind of disappeared. Fornalis, somebody's um, surprise player of the um, uh, season. They, they spent a lot of money on these players and they were brought in by a director of football that's there 
that's kind of fallen out with the owners because they don't feel like he spent the money very well. And he's a big friend of Pellegrini's. So there's kind of a background of a bit like, oh, it's all kind of gone a bit wrong and everyone's falling out a bit. But isn't that always, always what's like at West Ham? It's West Ham, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, it's so frustrating to watch. I do think, I, I want to definitely kind of agree with what you're saying, Roger. When West Ham signed Fabianski, I've got, a, I've got a mate who's a big West Ham fan. And I remember I just laughed in his face. I'm so, I'm so sorry. But I called him Flappy Hansky. I was like, what have you done? Like, yeah. you want to solve this mess. But I swallowed my humble pie after that because actually his performances were far above his reputation. Yeah. And I, I completely reassessed my opinion of him as a goalkeeper. And it, that doesn't you know speak any more volumes than when he's not in the team. Look what's happened to him. Yeah. I think... Uh... Yeah, I think West Ham are in a bit of a pickle. Um, someone else who I think is in a bit of a pickle and wears the same colour, so that's a nice segue, is Aston Villa. <laughs> but they lost to Wolves away in, like, it's the Midlands derby. It's a difficult game. Villa's problem is their next five games is Newcastle, Man United, Chelsea, Leicester, Sheffield United. And I, like, Newcastle suddenly are good, <laughs> which I didn't see happening. Um, and I can see Villa not getting many points out of that. Um, I think they might be in a bit of a pickle. I'd be worried if I was a Villa fan watching this game because both Wolverhampton goals were really predictable. Mm. Uh, the the first was a cutback from a free kick from Neves. Uh, sorry, a cutback to Neves. Though. Yeah, excellent strike. Both, but, both but why, were good why weren't they on it? But yeah. Yeah. oh my god, he had the keys to the city, didn't he? Like yeah. he, he was just standing. Like he was. Where a number ten would be? <laughs> do, do, yes. you know, do you know yeah. what I mean? That's if where you, they're going to stand. If you were just going to go aerial footage, okay, right? I'm going to I'm going to piece my players on the yeah. pitch. Where's your number ten stand? There. Okay. Then why is there no one else standing <laughs> there? I'd be very concerned about that. And then to have the same, essentially the same. Uh, it was in open play, but the second goal, a cutback to the same position of the park. I'd just be very concerned. So obviously, the way that they've set up, they don't have a. A sweeping absorber. You know, they don't have the Ndidi or the Kante yeah. or the or the Garnagay. They, they don't have that type of player. Yeah. But what that means is then you have to have more responsibility on your two centre midfielders that aren't that, that you know, that they can step into that position, or your centre backs have to come out and deal with the danger. If your centre backs stay in a you know in a straight line trying to defend the the cross, then no one's dealing with that empty space. And if players are gonna run into that who you predict are gonna be there, you've got problems. So you know, I do think that I would be very concerned that they're the goals you're conceding. Yeah, I yeah, I think Villa they spent a lot of money and when you look how well Sheffield United are doing, in theory Villa should be that team and they're not. And they they don't look like Well, but remember what I said about Sheffield United have had the easiest run of games so far in the first ten games of all the promoted teams. Yeah. So it's still early. I know it's it's a reasonable sample size, but I still think it's early in the season. We knew. Did we expect Villa? To, I, I always expected Villa to be in and about the relegation fight. Context: They're four points ahead of them. Yeah. Remember yeah. they're they're yeah. yeah. Sheffield United fifth and, and Aston Villa. I, I, I do. I think that's 16th, massive. So I don't. I think both of those teams will be in the mire come the end of the season. I think they've both got enough to stay up, but I, they'll be. They're going to be fighting I for just, relegation. I, I, having watched Villa a couple of times, I don't watch them with confidence like they're doing something that makes me go, oh yeah, they've got a plan. A bit like Norwich or a bit like, 
oh, I don't know what to do. Running but Norwich around. play like Norwich. I, I couldn't yeah. tell you that Villa yeah, don't have an identity, really. No, and that concerns me. I'm not sure what they're doing. They've bought in a lot of big money signings. They're not. They kind of play Trezeguet, then they play the Wesley. The guy hasn't really scored. I'm not sure. But what I don't. They're doing. Do you know what though? I don't feel like they're as much that way as Fulham were last year. Mm. No, like Fulham I know. Were chaotic, I, yeah. I feel like Villa have a bit more of a because we talked about. Yes, they spent a bit of money, but a lot of them were players that played there last year. Yeah. They have more of an identity and an idea and a way of playing than Fulham did. Fulham just went complete scattergun. I think Villa will stick with. Um, Dean Smith. Yeah, and I think. Look, I, I think for me, this game actually said more about Wolves, mm. and I think Wolves had a sticky beginning, and we wondered whether the Europa League was going to be the end of them. But actually, they've got a bit of momentum up, and um, they've remembered that they're a really good football side. And I, really I, I think the last few weeks they've played really well and again in this game I just thought they looked excellent I just thought they they just they were just a uh, you know re- really well organised you know defensive first team but had enough going forward and Triore who I thought was a bit of a novelty value yeah. flying winger come on for the last 15 minutes in the last six weeks He's looked like a world beater. He's the bloody best wing back in the Premier League. Yeah. Like he's improved his defensive work rate. We know he's super quick, and he's now got end product yeah. to the point where Spain are trying to call him up. Yeah, well, they called um, him up, um, and then he's pulled out for a nondescript reason. But, but then, so is it Mali that he? Can so actually... his parents are both from Mali. Um, he was born in Spain. Um, he can play for Mali, and he was photographed with a Mali shirt this week, and then Spain pulled him up. So no one really knows what he's doing. But if he plays for Mali, he's obviously a winger, um, and his name's Adama Traore. They have two other wingers called Adama Traore in the, the squad already. <laughs> so that's just confusing. So he should play for Spain. But I, yeah, I, I think he's really kicked on. Oh, um, and, and and I just I was really impressed with Wolves this game. I just thought you know they've got it together. They're you know they are a very good football team. If you look at Traore's stats as well for completed dribbles, he's way above anyone in the whole of Europe. Like, oh, really? He's way above everybody. Um, but on Wolves, they are doing brilliantly in the Europa League, and I think if they're smart, they look at that Europa League and go this is our Champions League entry. Yeah. Win that competition. Um, and they've sorted that, they like, struggled at the start in the league, as he said, but they've sorted that out. Use the Europa League as a vehicle to get into the Champions League and then they go to the Signs of players in January too. Like, like yeah. bulk up that squad. Uh, I do think, um, I've been struggling this week to understand whether the league's bad or the league's good. As a whole? As a whole. <laughs> I, I know, yeah. I know yeah. that sounds a bit kind of... Kind of existential crisis because it's so squashed up. Because it's so squashed up, I'm wondering whether everyone's beating everyone because they're all rubbish, or everyone's beating everyone because they're all good. So then I, I go down and I look at the squads, and let's let's just assume that teams were playing to their potential. Yeah. Okay. So let's just assume that there weren't easy goals going in or VAR decisions or whatever it is. No one was feeling hard done by. You would assume that Liverpool are good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You would assume that. Leicester are good, Chelsea are good, Man City are good, Arsenal are good, Man United are good, Wolves are good, Spurs are good, Everton are good, West Ham are good. That's nine clubs. You assume, on the on the, the basis of how strong is their squad, are good sides. Yeah. That, I've not, in my modern memory, known a Premier League where if any of those nine teams were getting the top four, I would say they deserved it because of the strength of their squad. 
that is a very strange place to be. I do think um, that there's the the actual quality of players within squads is better than maybe it's ever been. But whether it's a coaching thing or an application thing or something's not quite working, whether it's a background of a club where Man United's yeah. a bit of a mess, Arsenal's a bit of a mess. But I do think if you took the actual quality players of each squad and compared it to 15 years ago, 10 years ago, they're better. It's incredible. There's not almost there is literally not enough room for as many good sides as there are good sides in the Premier League. However, this is assuming that they are all performing to their potential. Because we know, we've just discussed, West Ham are not performing to their potential. Spurs Everton, are. Spurs are not performing yeah. to their potential. The fact that 15, 16th, sorry, 14, 15, the 16th of the Premier League is Spurs, Everton, West Ham, that could easily be 4th, 5th, 6th. And you wouldn't blink an eye. Yeah. But I do think as well, there's more teams this year that are trying to play football. Like we are seeing a bit of a shift we talked about it a bit last year, but I think we're seeing a little bit of a shift away from the just trying to survive. Like yeah, we've had a right, lot of years right. of stagnation in the Premier yeah. League of the you know the tenth to to twentieth. All we want to do is survive, and I think when you get that mentality, of course it's difficult to grow because you're not actually trying to progress. You're just trying to stay. Yes. Whereas I feel like this year they're a team, you know, like your Brightons, even your Palace, like Roy has a very distinct way of playing. Yeah, it's ugly, but at least they're trying to play away. You've got the three promoted sides this who is, have an identity. Uh, like, and I'm going to start sounding positive for the first time in today's shed. I actually think it's brilliant. I actually think that what we're seeing is that the average quality of the player who plays for the side is better, which means we're seeing the result of strategy. We're seeing teams that have a genuine identity up against other teams that have another genuine identity who have players who are capable of of performing to that identity. So we're seeing clubs like Brighton who play completely differently to clubs like Burnley. But all the Burnley players are very good at playing like Burnley. All the Brighton players are very good at playing like Brighton. We have a team at the bottom of the league, Norwich. They're all very good at playing like Norwich. And we're looking at that side going, okay, well, we know how Norwich are going to play. They have their own independent identity where all their players are good enough to perform the way Norwich should perform which means that we're actually seeing kind of a clash of cultures strategies in a way that isn't let down by individual errors or by just you know oh how many times have we gone oh Swansea are a good side but if only Swansea had some better players to play like Swansea you know when they lost Michu and Sigurdsson you're like oh no one else can do what Swansea need to do so they're all error ridden actually we're looking at some excellent sides who all played differently up against each other. And usually we get to this point in the season, so we're just over a third of the way through, um, and you'd go, okay, top two, three, four, kind of done, maybe a fifth and sixth. Then the bottom four or five have dropped away, and then there's a middle dirge of just mm. crap in the middle. And this year there isn't a dirge of crap in the middle. There's Burnley, the only, Burnley and Palace are the only two teams that I look at and go, I really don't want to watch them play. And you don't want to watch them, John, but they are who they are. But so, yes, and they are who they are. And when you watch a Burnley Palace play against a Brighton or a Sheffield United, it's interesting because they play... You know, but when you watch Burnley against Palace in six games of a weekend... You just thought, well, this is yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. But but Palace are good at playing like Palace. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like a weird thing yeah. to say. And Burnley are very good at playing like Burnley. And then you, the, the ones that we're used to, the teams like Bournemouth, 
you know what you get with Bournemouth. And now we're watching Bournemouth, Eddie. who are slowly upgrading their players to play like a better Bournemouth. But Eddie Howe's still shit. Yeah, of course he is. But but at least he got he gets his team to play like Bournemouth. But I've got so I've got a question for this, and we'll I, we'll talk about this more next week. Um, this phenomenon or Ooh. what is happening at the moment phenomenon is dun, dun, dun. not confined to the Premier League. I would argue that we're seeing the same situation in Spain, we're seeing the same situation in Germany, and we're seeing the same situation in Italy. Mm. No, I agree. Why is that happening? Is 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 there something that it, like is there a trend there, or is it just coincidence? That is a massive question. So we will next Maybe week. We'll yeah. think about that next week because next week yeah. is International Week, and so we've kind of make a plan that we're going to talk around the leagues and talk about European football and maybe the A-League a bit and stuff. So we'll do that next if week. If anyone's got some thoughts as well, I'd be interested to, to hear on that. Yeah, um, We are running a little bit out of time. So is there anything on the Premier League that you were desperate to bring up that you wanted to talk about? Uh, can I have my VAR rant? No. No. Isn't that Premier League? No. No. But, but it's not about VAR. It's about people getting angry at VAR. <laughs> what did you say, John? Did you say no? I think I said no. Yeah, I think I said no too. Everyone's bored of VAR, Rog. Well, that, but that's what, what my rant was going to be about. That it's not all the people getting angry about VAR this week. It's not about VAR. And we talked about it. It's about it, the rules. It's about the rules. So don't it's, get angry with VAR. Like, we need to, the rules. let's look at the rules. Yeah, no, but it's yeah. just, you just see it again and again and again. I'm like... It's not VAR, it's just that we can see it better than we saw it before. It's like getting pissed off with a ticket inspector. I mean, you should be pissed off that you didn't get a ticket. Yeah. Like, not not, not the bloke <laughs> he's telling you. Yeah, true. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, no, yeah. very true. Um, well, let's move on from VAR and the Premier League. Rog, do you have a championship update? Uh, I did. Well, just a couple of things. Let, uh, me stop, let me stop you, Rog. Is your update whether Bristol City won or not? No. Did they win? They did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's, they, a, there's always a lot more enthusiasm about a championship update on WhatsApp when Man <laughs> Bristol City have they won. won away at Cardiff <laughs> for the first time in 17 years. And uh, but one of the things I did want to bring up with this was that uh, that result. Um, it's the first time Cardiff had lost at home this year as well. So it's a wow. um, decent result, but that was the end of Colin. Yeah, Neil Warnock. Neil Warnock Commonly is gone. Known as Colin. Leave means leave, Neil. <laughs> leave see you, Neil. means leave. Uh, I don't think we're really going to miss him, are we? No. No. No, um, And Although, I, I heard an interview with... Um, Sol Bamba. Sol Bamba. You heard this interview with Sol Bamba? Uh, a little bit of it. Yeah. Loves him. Yeah, he really loves him. Thinks he's like... A, he even said father figure were all devastated. I think you either love Neil Warnock... Or you hate him. A bit like you're either for Brexit or you're against Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> Polarises people. Yes. Yeah. I think uh, And so does that mean I hate the people that love Neil Warnock? I like tell me who to hate, John. I, I need to know who to hate. Neil Warnock and Sol Bamba. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm with you. And that's it. Um the other championship thing that we just wanted to um, touch on was Michael O'Neill, which, yes. which is interesting because um, we talked about him a few weeks ago, um, it just being odd that no one had approached yeah, Michael so O'Neill. Yeah, so he's Northern Ireland manager um, and done really well at Northern Ireland. And yeah, we said, why has no one approached him? And then he got made Stoke manager and maybe my ignorance, I had no idea this happened. Like, I don't know. Well, it only happened on Friday. Ah, oh, so it was that late. So because he was manager on Saturday, maybe maybe yeah. maybe Stoke were listening to the football shed. <laughs> They're like, well, why has no one tapped this bloke on the shoulder? Guy. It's yeah. been like formally, he's been in a couple of games beforehand. Yeah. Like, but formally, it was only on Friday, and he's still Northern Ireland manager. Yeah, so he'll still do. So right now, when it's an international break, he'll go and do international managing, and then come back to Stoke, which seems 
really tiring. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's only it, Northern Ireland and Stoke. Like, it, uh, sorry, <laughs> I mean that geographically. No, I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not knocking the club and the, the you country. Know, the verb club, one of the two verb clubs, and the country itself. I'm just saying that it's only like a drive in a boat. But uh, <laughs> in, interesting in this game, he, so he was gonna just sit in the stands because he thought because he'd only arrived on Friday, um, he should leave it to the um, interim manager, which I can't remember who it is. It's an ex, uh, like it's a Stoke player, an ex Stoke player in recent Joe history. Allen. No, I can't remember. He played in this game. Um, but anyway, Michael O'Neill said, "No, I'm gonna go in and and do the talk, yeah, do the team talk and what have you." And anyway, they won four two. We obviously know Stoke have been doing badly, um, but immediate effect. I Stoke, we know they have like one of the most expensive squads in the championship, in championship history. So you would hope that they've got the players there. Like you said, you've still got people like um, Joe Allen, yeah. who's a very good he footballer. played for Liverpool two years ago. Um, so I think that with someone like Michael O'Neill, they've got every chance of getting out of the... Well, you know what they say, in. no Stoke without fire. <laughs> no. Right, smoke. Do they say that? No. No. Yeah, no. Well, they should. If I was a Stoke fan, I'd say that. Um, Jeff, do you have any side stories no. for us? Uh, no, do I? One minute. Um, well, I've whilst, got one. Whilst, whilst you're looking, I want, my first one I want to bring up is... First one? Yeah, I've got two. Is uh, Did anyone see Erling Haaland scored again at the weekend? So this yeah. is Alfie Haaland's son, who plays for Red Bull Salzburg in Austria, and is doing really well. Scored his fifth hat trick of the season. Wow! And he scored in the Champions League as well, didn't he? Which is yeah. seven in a row in the Champions League. Yeah, which yeah. is the first person to do that as a teenager. Um, he has now scored twenty-seven in eighteen games for Red Bull Salzburg. Like what is twenty-seven in eighteen? Twenty-seven in eighteen wow. games. And now, obviously, the Austrian league's not the greatest in the world, but he scored seven in five Champions or four Champions League games. So that's impressive. Um, he January he move. Be there for long. Well, there is whispers. Of Liverpool wanting to get him in January because they need a kind of backup striker, and so uh, do what they? do you mean they got Rigi? They... What do you mean? Divock Rigi's crap. They got Divock. Yeah, get Divock tattooed on my nose. No, he's getting better and better, maturing yeah. like a fine wine. Yeah, um, those three games he gets every year are really improving. <laughs> is um, I, I do have one. Yeah, um, so you know, Kieran Tyranny. Uh, sorry, Boy. sorry. <laughs> that was no, no, that was really no, good, Jeff. No, Kieran, Kieran Trippier. Oh. I got the wrong. <laughs> I got the wrong. Why was that good? What do you mean? No, it, was, it was a good you, Irish you accent. It's Kieran Tierney. Oh, I didn't mean that. I meant Kieran Trippier. Oh. Uh, is that Athletic Rigid, right? Yes. Do you mean uh, Wayne? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so you know that Diego Costa's calling him Wayne Rooney because he doesn't. Diego Costa doesn't speak English. Doesn't give a shit. So just calls him Rooney. Yeah, and he's the only English player he's ever heard of. So he um, played in England. So what's happening now is that every away game, home fans at the away side are chanting Rooney, Kieran Trippier, <laughs> and, he, and he came out this week with a tweet going, "Everywhere I go, they shout Rooney. When I warm up, everyone's shouting it." Everyone, I have Diego Costa to thank for this. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> so all over Spain, they're all just chanting Rooney at him. Yeah. Um, I've got an FA Cup side story. Oh, go on. Um, you may have missed this, but Crew beat Accrington Stanley. Accrington Stanley. Another verb club, uh, Crew. 2-0. Um, <laughs> what was Accrington? Was it Milk? Yeah, they advertised yeah. Milk in the late 80s. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. I did, I did miss this. They yes. won They won 2-0 in the FA Cup at the weekend. Um, now, on the surface of things, you know, it's fairly unremarkable. However... 
the game went for three hours. Three hours? A three hour FA Cup tie. Yep. Uh, and ended with just one linesman or assistant referee. Uh, so the first referee, Neil Hare, got injured in the 22nd minute um, and was replaced by the fourth official, yep. as he do, Alan Clayton. But he also got an injury and like was unable to come on for the second half. What? Yep. Uh, crew took the lead in first half stoppage time, but then the half time went for an over an hour because they were trying to figure out what to do. Because oh, obviously you've got officials. two injured, uh, you've got the ref and your fourth official, so they only had two officials left. So you have to kind of call a local. So what were like, they going to do? The butcher. Um, so one of the... Was it the butcher? No, one of the assistant referees, Danny Gratton, took the whistle. So he was the ref. Good on you, Danny. But neither of them could run the line, so there was only one assistant. The supporters from both sides volunteered to step in, uh, (laughs) but the managers agreed to restart with official one official short. Second half kicked off at ten past five, and a coin toss decided that the remaining assistant would supervise the crew half of the pitch only. No, (laughs) isn't that bizarre? Why didn't he just do the whole? Like the whole length, because he would die. Because he'd, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he'd be running from one end of the pitch. To yeah, the other. but come on, because you got you could, the whole point of a linesman is stay in the line of the defence. So how can he be in that line of that defence and that defence at the same but time? The, but, the, but then you got no one in that. Like surely that's better than or having a replay no one. or you know. I just but that's of course awesome. they couldn't. No one would have could agree because they did. It has to be someone. So who, sorry, who won this game? Sorry, crew, crew two 0 yeah. and the linesman was on crew side. Uh, he was on Cruz half of the pitch yeah, yeah. That and is, there was a penalty that is so fucked sorry <laughs> <laughs> um, right is it time for end game yes. Oh, yes did you see Ronaldo cried I like that too no I did not see that he, uh, he had a sulk when he got subbed and he left the stadium before the game had finished you, because he had so much of a huff yeah, and and um, I I read a very interesting quote saying, you know, was it a tactical reason that Ronaldo got subbed? No, he was literally the worst player on their team, so he got subbed just like anyone else. So Diablo, who scored the winner. Up. Yeah, I do like Sarri. Like, yeah, he got a bad time in Chelsea, but there's something about him I really like. Um, it might be because he's a smoker as well, but uh, top he, of the league, top of the league, and but he just doesn't take any shit. Yeah, and he's come from nowhere, and now he's manager of Juventus. Um, and he's telling Ronaldo, well, you were crap today, so piss yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. It's just like we all wish we could. Yes. Okay, um, so end, end game time. So I'm 4-2-2 four, I'm four, two, two up. Rog won last week. No. Oh, no. 3-2-2. Two, two. Yeah. So it's 3-3-2. No. Three, three, no. Yeah. 3 Rog. No, three Jeff's Jeff. on 2, isn't he? No, I'm, I'm on, on 3. Shut up, Roger. Are we scoring this somewhere? Yeah, in my yeah, head. Yeah. Oh, no, we better write this down because I'm sure Jeff's on we're, two. We're both on three, Rog, three, and three, John's on two. Two. Yeah, it's written yeah. down. Yeah, just wrote on a bit of paper there. Mm. So this is where you pick a game from the past and Jeff and I take turns to try and name players from that game. And if we get it wrong, we lose. Ready, ready, go. Um, Jeff, you going first then? Well, no, maybe. Who's going first? Well, you just look, seem very excited. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so... Uh, one of the big games this weekend is West Ham and Tottenham Hotspur. Nice. Um, at the Olympic Stadium. Uh, I'm going to take you back to the 25th of February, 
2013. I was about to say it's not 28 five days in February. <laughs> now, this is I think this is seen as a bit of a modern classic. Uh, by, Tot- Tottenham by. won three two. Oh, it's like you know when they go through the best oh, yeah, West yeah, Ham yeah. and Spurs games. This one often uh, gets mentioned. Um, 2013. Yep. Who's going first? Oh, this is really hard. Uh, do you want me to <laughs> give you any no, clues? No, no clues. Or? Just decide who's going first, and we'll. Uh... John, is John going first? Why am I going? Okay, Jermaine Genius. Well, I like it that you you didn't want to, and then you just decisively went for Jermaine Genius, which may have been a massive error because. He didn't play. Oh! You've got to get it right, though, Jeff. And he wasn't on the bench. Oh, John. Um, uh, Aaron Lennon. Aaron Lennon is correct. Yeah! Started. No. Oh, John. Dawson? Yep, captain. I had Dawson down. Aurelio Gomez? No, Larice is keeper. Larice has been there since 2013. So I had uh, Larice. I had Larice down on my list, John. Larice, Kyle <laughs> Walker, right back. Dawson and Stephen Corker. Yang Vertonghen, left back. Scott Parker and Musa Dembele. Then Aaron Lennon, Gareth Bale. He scored a 90th minute winner, and it was a bit of a wonder goal. Lewis Holtby. Remember oh, him? Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, he, where did he come from in Germany? Hoffenheim or something? Yeah. yeah. Um, and Adebayor. Oh, West Ham, you could have got West Ham players. Winston Reid. Who have you got? Winston Reid, yep. Uh, Lucas Neal? No. Uh, Lucy Askelainen in goal. Oh, yeah. Guy Demel. Oh, uh, God. No, <laughs> Winston Reid, James Collins, you might have got. Yeah. Joey O'Brien. No. 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 Gary O'Neill. No. no. Mohamed Diame. No. Kevin Nolan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mark Noble. Matthew Jarvis. Oh, ex wolves yeah. like bit crap. Andy Carroll. Oh, oh you're kidding. Joe Cole. Whoa. There's a few what there a that you could have got, but that is tough. Yeah. West Ham I, sorry, maybe that was a bit teams. tough. No, that was great. Carlton Cole was on the bench. So four three two. So we're now right there. Come on. <laughs> four three two. So Jeff, you're on it for next week. Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, so Sigurdsson after- came on off the bench and scored. That would have been for another. Spurs. Yeah. So after my uh Two wins straight away. I am now shit at this game. So maybe Love this game. Next week we'll have a new game. Love this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, has anyone got anything before we go? No. no. It's been no. Great, great to be back in the shed. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week. Um, don't forget, if you want to get in contact or ask us questions or tell us we're wrong about something, um, find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. See ya. <laughs>